through all of that, what John and I did was we loved. We loved unconditionally no matter what. Now, that's not easy. That is not an easy thing to do. But we loved regardless. That's why our ministry is called Love Changes All. Because it's the love of God that will change people. It's not John or I that's going to change them. But it's showing the love of Jesus that's going to change the people. So he just said, are you willing to go? And are you willing to do what I've called you to do? So we did. We took the step. Like Pastor said, we sold everything we had. That's kind of a funny story because I think John did that to scare me from going into the mission field. He's like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're selling everything. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and we did. And we sold it. And we can do what we're doing because we are debt-free. So I love what you guys are praying about that because when you get debt-free, there is so much freedom to do what you just want to do and you just don't have to worry about anything else. So, But through all that, it has allowed us to do this. Our moms have finally started talking to us after 16 months. 16 months of them looking at us and just wondering about us. The first time one of the moms smiled at us, we were actually leaving the Picario. I got so excited. I was like, John, did you see it? Did you see it? Of course, John's driving. He was like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, that mom smiled at us. Well, you can't replay that. Of course, he wanted to drive back and see if they could get another smile again. But no, you can't replay that. From there, the doors just started opening up for us. They're talking to us now. About a month before we came back to the States, the mom said to us, you guys are different. What is it? Why? We have watched you guys. People have come in here and gone. They come in, they put on a little show, they leave. Maybe they do it once a year, maybe every other year. They never stay like John and I have. They're like, you guys are different. You guys love us no matter what. I'm like, well, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus says for us to do. So these moms are actually now helping us. They are preparing some of the food for us that we buy because we feed the kids every Saturday. And sometimes they buy drinks. And one time they actually paid for the entire meal, which was incredible because they don't have much. But they wanted to give because they understood what we were doing for their kids. So we're really excited just because, one, right now I'm, I'm ready to go back. We go back on Wednesday. I'm ready to go see my kids. I'm ready to go see my family in Costa Rica. This barrier that we work in is so spiritually dark, but God protects us from it because we have that grace, because this is where he's called us to go. And one of the challenges that he's asked me to share with most of the churches that we've been in this time is, what has he asked you to do? Are you willing to give up everything to do what he's called you to do? Are you willing to just take a step of faith and put your toe out there in the water? Because let me tell you, when you put your toe in the water, the rest of you is going down because he's going to take you. He just wants you to be willing to just take a step. So I just wanted to share that with you. But we have a video, I think, that will show you more than what I can. These are some of my precious kids that I cannot wait to get back and see. Gozo en lugar de luto, su alegría. 
transformó Perdido y fui encontrado Me vistió de alegría y una nueva canción Apuesto en being a part of what we do in Costa Rica. We love our, our job. It's hard, but because God has given us the grace to do it, it's home to us, and it's where we're supposed to be. I just want to give you two, two quick testimonies. One was about Christmas. We, went, we, only buy Christmas. we only buy gifts for the kids at Christmas time. We, don't give them, we give them food every week, but we don't give them anything else during the week. So we went to go buy the, the stuff at in San Jose, which was about three and a half hours from where we live. 
We didn't have the money, but we felt God said, I want you to buy them each a gift because I want them to know how special I, that I think they are. So we went and we bought gifts for 40 kids, but we didn't have the money, so we put it on our credit card. While we were there, we got our, our donation amount for the month, and it was one of the lowest months we've ever had. And we're like, oh, now how are we even going to pay our bills plus this, Lord? Like, oh, my gosh, Lord. And we're like, well, Lord, you told us to do this, so because you told us to do this, you have to provide for us. So we just left. We just left the city with all our gifts, and we said, God, we don't know how this is going to happen, but we know you're going to do it. On our way back to our house, we got a text from some dear friends of ours, and they said, we're sending you this much money for Christmas. It was the exact amount of money, a little bit over what we actually needed for Christmas. So praise God. It was just taking a step of faith and just, just doing it. Another one has to do about love. You saw a little bit. We don't talk much about our street ministry that we do. We do that with other, other organizations. But one of the guys in that, in that picture, we've been friends with him for two years. He's been an alcoholic for, do you know how many years? Long time. He's tried to come off every time he's going to the hospital. He dries up for a couple weeks, and then he's right back because he's right with his friends. Well, through all this, we've just loved him. We've loved him unconditionally. We've just been there for him. And about three months ago, he came crying to us. He said, I can't do this by myself. I know I can't do this by myself. If I stay here, I'm going to die, and I can't get off alcohol by myself. I need help. And I said, well, just we're praying for you. We're praying for you. He's like, no, I want to go somewhere. We always make them come to us first before we're willing to take them anywhere because then they have the commitment that they want to do this. And we said, okay, we have a couple options. There's a center that's about an hour away. Both of these are Christian centers. And then there's one that's about three and a half hours, four hours away. So which one do you want? We don't pick for them either. We let them pick for themselves. He's like, I want to go to the four-hour one away. We said, okay. So we called our friend that was there, asked him if he had a spot. He had a spot. We said, okay, we're going to pick you up. We're picking you up at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Here we're picking up a guy that's coming off of alcohol in our car, and we're having to take him four hours, and we're like, oh, Lord Jesus, what is this going to entail? Well, thankfully, he did sleep until we got almost to the city. Then he started throwing up. But we never thought we would do anything like that. But when God tells you to love and he commands you to do things, you're going to do these things. We are happy to report that he's been in rehab for the past three months, and he's doing great. He's got five more months of the program to go. And so we're looking forward to hopefully getting a chance when we get back to see him and to see how, how he's doing. But when this man changes, because we've seen him many times not drinking, you can't even recognize him. You don't even know who he is. But when he's drinking, he's just, they look like two different people. So we're really excited to see. This is the longest that he's, you know, been without alcohol. So we can't wait to get back and see how he's doing. And then you saw that we've had a couple different locations where we meet with the children. We are now... God has called us and said it is time for you to start raising the money to build a center, to build a community center, because this will allow us to be, the whole community will see that we are there and we are staying there. So we have an option of a property that's about $18,000. It's not a very big property. Property there is very expensive. Everybody says, oh, it's cheap. No, it's very, very expensive. But it does have water, and it does have electricity, and all the houses actually have concrete. So we would tear most of them down but one and just use it for our kids. So we need about $30,000 to actually put a proper fence up to do what we need to do. But we feel like God has said, you need to do this. You need to be more 
permanent in this community, and this is the way for them to see that you're more and more permanent. Now, it's told us two things, because one, we've kind of been hesitant because it's not a real big property, and we're like, how are we going to grow? He said, humble beginnings. Humble beginnings are great beginnings. You can always buy more later on. That was one. And the second one is, we will not buy the property until we have enough money. We must stay debt-free. Our ministry is debt-free, has been debt-free from day one, and he says it must stay debt-free. So we are continuing to just raise the money. As goes on, we have about $4,300 right now raised, so we're getting there. We're getting closer, but it was just something that I just wanted to share with you guys. People that get our newsletters see that I have talked about that, but understand we're still going towards that goal, and we trust God for his timing is perfect. But we cannot do it and have debt. He just says, no, we can't do that. So we have to honor him with that. Um, I think we'll be in the back later on if anybody has any questions after the service. We do have some brochures and some stuff if anybody wants we can give to you then. And I'm just going to turn it over to Pastor. And again, thank you for supporting us through all of these years. We really greatly appreciate it. Amen. Amen. (laughs) They don't have these in Costa Rica, do they? Only if you bring them. Amen. Well, we're we're gonna uh, <clears throat> we're gonna pray for them in just a minute, but um, you know, in in uh, in them coming and with the event that we had last week, I just wanted to share, man, just a couple of things because you know we get bent out of shape sometimes about the smallest little things, and I think we don't realize. Everybody say 18 months. 18 months living in another country. 18 months of day in, day out, loving on those kids. 18 months they spent sowing seed, sowing seed, staying steady, not moving. Just loving on those kids, feeding the kids, playing with the kids. Just kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on. And after 18 months, now the mothers, not the fathers yet, but the mothers are starting to talk to them. And I was, when, when I met with them and they told me that, I thought, we don't even have that kind of patience in the States. We expect religion, pressure on our lives, is to go out and share the gospel or to share our faith with somebody and expect that they're going to turn it all over to Jesus right then and the, the heavens are going to open up and, you know, angel dust is going to fall down and people are just going to say, oh, and that, that happens, don't get me wrong. But we forget that the supernatural is not always the spectacular. And we miss that. And so when I knew they were coming. I knew we had this event yesterday. I, I just wanted to share just a couple of things to kind of ease your mind. Wednesday night, I met with the Muse Connect group, Kevin and Trisha's Connect group. Y'all raise your hand so everybody knows who you are. Uh, we, they, they meet right out here in the foyer. And I don't know, there's probably 12 of us. And, and I came in late, and, uh, and they were talking, they were, they were walking through a book by Francis Chan uh, called Love. What's it called? Great Love, Crazy Love. I read the book. It's a great book. But they got to talking about sharing their faith and witnessing and this, that, and the other. And, and I realized that there are some misconceptions about that. And the Tallheimers... I couldn't have picked a better illustration for how to really share 
the gospel and really demonstrate the love of God. How many of you have ever heard share your faith? You've heard that, right? All your life. Well, you've got to make sure you share your faith. Have you shared your faith lately? Have you shared your faith lately? How many of you can find that in Scripture? You can't because it's not in there. Now, the principle or the idea or the heart behind it is in there, but if we're not careful, we will get ourselves all knotted up over something that God really didn't tell us to do, and then it paralyzes us. See, the enemy has no control over your life. Listen to me. The enemy has no control over our life except that which we give him, either by ignorance or by willful disobedience and permission. Ignorance is a big one. It really is. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's what Hosea said. We don't know. People don't know. A thief is not a law-abiding citizen. Someone who trespasses on your property, they don't abide by the law. You got to run them out. You got to run them off just like we were talking about our thought life. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to this subject. And I have seen subjects in my life, but this is one of them that have been butchered to no end. And it's gotten people to the point where we don't even know how or we don't even know how to share our faith, how to demonstrate our faith, how to share the gospel, and we don't have any idea, and we get all bound up with pamphlets and five-step processes to give your life to Jesus. And so this morning, I just wanted to, I wanted to just basically get you to rethink some things and hopefully give you something that will make it easier for you and I to really understand what it means to share our faith to be preachers of the kingdom. Is that okay? Acts chapter 1. Go there. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the Tallheimers. We thank you for the event from yesterday. Father, we just thank you for all that you've done in our lives this morning. And Lord, we just take a few moments. Help me to clarify. Help me to get this out of my heart into them, into all of us, so that it'll help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many of you know that if, if the enemy can't stop you from doing something, which he can't, he can only do it with our cooperation, then he will cause you to be fearful of something that you should never be afraid of. And I, I venture to say, if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have led somebody to Jesus or shared your faith with somebody in the last 30 days, I venture to say that there's a number of us who would not be able to raise our hand because we think one way, we think if you were to get run over by a semi-truck this afternoon, do you know where you would spend eternity? That's the culmination of what we have defined as sharing the gospel and sharing the faith. And that is part of it, but that's not all of it. And that is so far from the truth because that puts so much pressure on you and I to have to come up with some kind of performance. And it, I mean, it's scary for most folk. When you leave here today, I want you to go to wherever you're going to eat or wherever you go to shop or get gas, and I want you to randomly find somebody and walk up to them and ask them, are you saved and do you know where you would go if you died today? How many of you would be like, glory to God, I'm going to do that just as quick as I leave. I'm going to do two people instead of one. No, because it's scary. It's nerve-wracking. We don't understand because we've, we've compartmentalized evangelism into this one thing, and if you don't do that one thing, 
18 months. Somebody say 18 months. 18 months. Now hold on to that, 18 months. You shall receive power. That word power is dunamis. It means that you have achieving power. It's not just power. It's an ability. It's an achieving power. But you shall receive the ability and the achieving power to be what? Whose witnesses? I think sometimes the, the reason why we're scared or the reason why we have been scared or nervous to share or to demonstrate or to do or to preach the gospel is because we don't have the power yet. And we're not tapping into the power. He said, you shall be my witnesses. Not your witnesses. His witnesses. See, that takes a lot of the stress off of me. See, they go down to Costa Rica and they're his witnesses. They're not John and Cindy Tallheimer's witnesses. They're there as a representative, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And they are there representing what? Jesus. 18 months, and they just loved them. They loved the stubbornness right out of them. They loved the anger. They loved the fear. They loved the, the caution right out of them. After 18 months, then mama says, maybe these gringos ain't, paying, they, they ain't playing. They're here for real. How much time are we spending doing that? We got to rethink the way that we think about these things. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But in Matthew chapter, the, uh, Matthew chapter 26, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Two sides of the same coin. You can't do either one of those without relationship. You can do it, but it is not as effective. Now you tell me this, those mamas... Now, after 18 months, you're going to tell me that they're not going to be receptive to them preaching the gospel to them? After 18 months, that the doors have not been opened and the opportunities are not there because they've sown the seed of time and relationship into their kids' lives. So what, what, what am I saying? These are the three things I heard the Lord say. Number one, stop stressing. <laughs> Everybody say, turn to your neighbor and say, stop stressing. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do you know? How do you know when you should be a witness? Here's the thing about being a witness. A witness is this: one who has information or knowledge of something. One who can, everybody say can, give information bring light, or confirm something. You shall receive achieving power to be a person that can testify and give information and relevance to something you've seen and something you've experienced. Now that takes a whole, that takes it to a whole other level. See, people, witnesses are people that have experienced, that have seen, that have done something, and they testify to what they've seen. But we think we got to walk around and constantly put pressure on people to let us testify. 
No, you don't. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not heal everybody. Jesus did not share and preach the kingdom to everybody. He lived the kingdom. He preached the kingdom, but he did not pressure people, and neither do you. So stop stressing out. We don't, we don't have to pressure people. All we got to do is just be who we are. And the light and the love of that gospel and who we are in Christ will permeate all that stuff. I had somebody in my office, uh, man, this was probably four years ago, and he, was, he, he doesn't like churches, and he certainly doesn't like pastors. But he's been a family friend of ours for years, and you know who I'm talking about. And he sat across the desk, and we were talking, and it wasn't two minutes after the conversation, he starts beating his hand up against the, you know, the church isn't doing enough, you're not doing enough, preachers aren't doing enough. We're not sharing the gospel. We're not. How many people have you gotten saved? How many people has your church gotten saved in the past year? And I said, how many people have you discipled in the last five years? How many people are you pouring in your life into in the last five years? Of all those people that you've helped get deliverance from certain things, how many of those are you still in a relationship with? So if you're going to come at me, I'm going to come at you. How many people are we in relationship with? How many people are we testifying? How many people are we being witnesses to? We think we're in a race. We are. He said run the race as if to win the race. But the race that we're in is not a sprint. It's not even really a marathon. I heard a guy the other day said, it's not a marathon, it's an obstacle course. <clears throat> but we run it in such a way to win it. Well, if you don't know what the win is, how do you know if you're doing okay and how do you know if you're winning? That's what I want to help to establish. 18 months, are they winning? Yeah. They're running their race as if to win. But I, I want, how many people have you gotten saved? How many people have you gotten delivered? See, there we go with that religious mindset. If you and I were to disciple one person every year, and I'm going to explain discipleship in just a minute. If we were to take the time and the effort, stand up. To come along somebody and to just turn around and let everybody look at you, handsome self. And to just become relational and to walk by this person. If we did that one with one person every year. But I taught Langston how to in turn grab a hold of Earl. Earl, stand up. And I teach him and help him to do the same thing. In two years time, I've only impacted two people. You guys can be seated. Thank you. And in our mindset, we think, well, we're not doing enough for the kingdom. But if you did that, and you only did that for 30 years of your life, and then on the other side of that coin, you begin to share the gospel, and you got one person saved every day for 30 years of your life, which person at the end of their life would have impacted more people? It is astronomically mind-boggling how many more people. It's ridiculous how many more people. 
It's not twice. It's not three times. It's not four times. It's something like a hundred times more effective. What's your litmus test? Or what's your plumb line? What are, you, what are you basing your measurement off of? Because if you're basing your measurement off of how many people you've won to the Lord, that's only part of the equation. But that could real easily get into works and not what God's, not the gospel of the kingdom. See, the Bible doesn't say we are to be evangelists because that's a different gifting. That's a different calling. He said we are to be witnesses. We are to preach the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he was here, he never said, confess your sins and repent. No, he said repent because we think, even we think repent as, you know, Lord, I confess I am just unworthy and I am just a stinking sinner. The word repent just means to change your mind. And Jesus would say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind the way you think. I'm asking you to change your mind about the way you think about what it means to be witnesses, what it means to share your faith. Because the stress on you is debilitating you from actually doing what God has wanted us to do. Or I say us. The stress on us to have to perform and to, uh, and to share the gospel. Because if we don't share the gospel, we're not Christians. Has debilitated us to the point where we, I don't even want to say nothing because I don't want to get it wrong. You see the mentality? The lies of the enemy? Everybody say, witnesses. That's what you're to be. Witnesses. How do you preach the gospel? Let, let me say this too about being led. The answer to a thousand and one questions in your life is what? Be led. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus was led. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus didn't go into every place. And I'm going to tell you something new. Neither did the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 16 Acts chapter 16, go there real quick. Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul. How many of you know we need to be led by the Spirit? Don't be led by need. Don't be led by opportunity. Don't be led by feelings. Don't be led by emotions. Don't be led by what they say. Don't be led by what they don't say. You're not to be led by money. You're not to be led by opportunity. You're not to be led by intuition. You're not to be led by feelings. You're not to be led by numbers, tarot cards, stars, or anything in between. You're not to be led by anything other than the Spirit of the living God. Now the Bible and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, they do what? They agree. So if it's in this Bible, you ain't got to have a voice from the Lord. We talked about that last week. Everybody want a word from the Lord. Then open your Bible and start reading. There's your word from the Lord. There are things in this scripture that we are to be led. He said, go ye. Are they not going ye there for unto? <laughs> right? Are they not going ye there unto? Are they being obedient to the word? Yes. But the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said in Romans, for as many as are led. Everybody say led. Led. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? I don't have time to get into that, but you know exactly what it means to be led. Now, we can, we can dive into that later on and talk about some of those things. But to be led by the Spirit means you allow the Holy Spirit to tell you where to go 
and where not to go, what to do and what not to do. And in Acts chapter 16, listen to this, Paul, verse 16. Now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Okay? So where, where are we going with this? So he begins to minister to them, gets them born again. And it says later on that they begin to go in a certain direction and the Holy Spirit forbid the Apostle Paul to go into that area. It said he forbid him. Everybody say forbid. Forbid by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Why? Why would the Holy Spirit not want them to go to a certain place? Because they had to be led by the Spirit. In, in another account in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was, remember when Jesus met the man uh, with the, uh, the mad, madman of Gadara? Jesus met the madman of Gadara. He healed him. And then he said, go and tell everybody what happened. They got back in a boat and left. And went to the other side of the sea where a crowd met them. Why did Jesus leave one city and not minister but to one person? But yet he goes to the other sea and ministers to multiple. Why? Well, for two reasons. Number one, he was led. But number two, the other place was more sensitive to the Spirit of God. Which leads me to my second point. Stop trying to share the gospel with knuckle-headed, hard-headed people that don't want nothing to do with you in the first place. That one went over worse than I thought it was going to go over. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. If the, if, if the Spirit of the living God... The Holy Spirit forbid the Apostle Paul from doing something. Don't you think he would forbid you and I from doing something? But it's the gospel. I thought everybody had to be reached. I thought we got to preach to everybody. We do and we are. But that don't mean that you are supposed to do it all. You are supposed to do your part. The thing that supersedes every commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself, right? He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons. You and I don't have the option of doing what we think we ought to do, what we feel like we ought to do. No, we need to do what we sense the Spirit of God telling us to do. Now, if it's in this Word, you got all the sensing and feeling and Word you need. Uh, it is not... Uh, a man that don't work, he don't eat. Well, Pastor, I've been praying. I, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to give me wisdom. Langston, we, we need to, will you pray with me? I'm praying as to whether or not I need to get a job. And Langston says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak unto thee and say, get your butt up and go get you a job. Right? Then you can eat, right? Well, brother, I'm praying about whether or not we should give to that widow woman. You don't need to pray about that. The Bible says if you have it to give, give to the widow. Give to the orphans. You understand there are certain things that we don't need to pray about. But there are things that we need to pray about. Lord, should I share the gospel with this person? Or should I not say anything? Mark chapter 6. Are you there? Mark 6. Verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. 
and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many hearing him were astonished, amazed, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Let me ask you something. Did they recognize the wisdom that was coming out of Jesus' mouth? Yeah. Did they recognize the powerful healing ministry that was coming forth out of his hands? So that you can't deny the power. They were astonished that such wisdom was coming from Jesus' mouth. Is this not, verse 3, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And now he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, I want you to understand something. Number one, Jesus didn't get mad. And first, remember last week we talked about that it don't bother Jesus. It does not put God on guard that you and I may think differently about him. Jesus wasn't mad that they were offended. Jesus wasn't upset. He didn't, all right, y'all gather around. We got, to, we got to blow this place up. How dare they? Don't they know who I am? He didn't, didn't, you know what he did? He had compassion on him to such a degree where he couldn't do no mighty work, but he still laid his hands on a few sick folk and got them healed. He had compassion on them. He loved them. He wanted them. He loved them so much that he, instead of leaving and saying, well, you know what? I'm going to take my cookies and my toys and I'm going to the other side. What did he do? He said he went around teaching them. He taught them. But let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't pressure them. He didn't frustrate himself. And he sure enough didn't frustrate them. Stop frustrating yourself over people who won't listen to you. Don't get frustrated. Start with your sphere of influence. What does that mean? Everybody in this room has people that listen to you, that you have a voice in their life. You have some sort of a bridge of relationship. But you've been lied to and you've been told that if you don't share the gospel with somebody at Walmart, you ain't really a Christian. And that's a lie. You are witnesses to somebody whether you like it or not. You and I are living proof in all areas of our life. And I'm going to tell you something else too. There's been, a, there's been this pressure that you've got to live this holy, sanctified, unblemished life or else people aren't going to listen to what you've got to say. And I'm telling you that even when people see you mess up, how you respond to that mess up is speaking volumes to them and drawing them closer to the kingdom of God because they recognize you're not Superman or Superwoman. I, Lord knows I'm not perfect. And Lord knows neither are you. But you know what? One of the things that I admire about the people and the men and the women that have spoken to our lives are those that I have seen that mess up. Forgive me, 
forgive me, Lawrence, I shouldn't have done that. What's that do to you? What's that do to me? I'm like, man, he, Mr. Super, you know, Mr. Super Christian man that's been born again for 50 years, and he's going to apologize to me. That makes me, that gives me hope. Then I don't have to have it all together. Whose witnesses did he say we would be? Not yours. His. See, stop, take the pressure off yourself and put it on him. Your ability is not what he's after. He's looking for your willingness. Lord, I'll be a witness. I don't know how good of a witness I'll be, but I'll be a witness. Boy, he can use that. He could take a fisherman who denied him three times and then turn around after he received the dynamite, dynamic, achieving power at the day of Pentecost, turn around and stood up in front of the very people that he denied Jesus to that day, three days prior, and said, no, it wasn't three days prior, it was like 30 days prior to, he stood up and said, this is that. And 3,000 people got born again from the man who denied Jesus not less than about a month before then. And it's not in your power. Take the pressure off yourself. Start with, stop stressing and start with where you're at. Yeah, I noticed this too. I didn't have time to send them a map. But in Acts where he said, you will be my uh, witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem is right here next to the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Samaria is down here. Judea is up here. And then the ends of the earth. He said, start with your sphere of influence. Start in your town. Start in your job. Start in your neighborhood. Start in your home. Every one of you has somebody that surrounds you that you're with all the time. Start with them. Sometimes the, the folks that know you aren't the ones you're called to reach. I'm not called to Valdosta, Georgia. Instead, I was called 45 minutes north to Tifton, Georgia. I wasn't called about us. Why? Because I don't want to have to. I, there are people that I still run up against to today. And they go, you a preacher? Now, how much, how much weight do you think I'm going to have in their life? But I, I don't go home and stress about it. I ran into some guys uh, not too long ago that I used to work with. And the minute I ran up against them, the Holy Spirit said to me, you ain't got no, you ain't got no room in their life to speak, so don't even try. And I said, hey, how you doing? And I mean, it was like total just disrespect, dishonor. There was nothing there. Nothing. And I'm going to stress myself out. I'm supposed to feel bad that I'm supposed to try to share something with you. And you know, Jesus didn't. Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. So you know what? Don't go to your hometown. Go to somebody else's hometown where you will be most effective. You're going to be most effective where the Lord has planted you, not where you want to go or where you think you should go, but where God has told you to go. Now, when he said make disciples, the word disciple means a pupil. It comes from the word disciple, which means to learn, to understand. It's one who accepts the instructions given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. He says to us, we're supposed to go and make disciples. You're not supposed to make disciples of people who don't respect you. 
who don't love you, who don't honor you, who won't follow you. No, guys, listen to me. You've got to go look for the people who have a connection with you. There's something about, you don't know what it is, but there's something there. There's a connection. Listen to this. This is the word. This is what it means to make disciples in the Greek. It must be distinguished from another word that they use for disciples, which simply means to learn without any attachment to the teacher. How many of you are still in contact with your high school geometry teacher? Then you're not a disciple. You were just someone who learned information from that individual. Okay? You don't have an attachment to the teacher and not to his words or to his, not to him as a person, but you just listen to their instruction. But this word, make disciples, listen to this, with purpose of making a disciple, you become attached to one's teacher and become his follower of conduct and of life. Here's my question. Who are you attached to? Who's attached to you? Start there. Well, I know we're attached, so I've got a 15-point plan to get you to the place where you need to be. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is nothing more, listen to me, than a relationship with purpose. Who is in your life that you're attached to or that you know that's attached to you? And are you cultivating and planning things with them with purpose. Here, I got something for you. I'm going to give you something really spiritual to do. You ready? So you're not stressed out. Anybody in here stressed out? Nobody's stressed out, right? We understand that sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel has more to do with our life and relationship than it does with us handing out tracts at Walmart with people that we'll never see again and putting a booklet on a table with a quarter Dollar with a quarter of a tip for a $50 bill. We know that's not sharing the gospel. Here, you want to share the gospel with somebody? Uh, leave a track with your name, your number, your email address, and put a $100 bill in there. Now tell me if, if they won't listen to you. Okay. So we're not stressed out. I want you to start with your sphere of influence. They went to Costa Rica, and they started where they were in their sphere of influence. And what did they do? They just started loving on kids. What did they do first? Come, all you children who want to heareth the gospeleth. No, what did they do? They fed them. I'm fixing to give you something real spiritual. You got your pen and your paper ready? You're going to make a note. Remind yourself. Here's what you can do. Why don't you cook some food for somebody? We were talking about this Wednesday night. One of the greatest things you can do is feed somebody. Feed them. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? Listen, we're going to be cooking later on. We'd like to invite you and your wife to come over and eat with us. How hard is that? Who doesn't want to go eat? Want to eat. And, and don't feed them hot dogs. Hey, my wife is frying chicken. Filled peas, cream corn, and homemade cornbread. Y'all want to come eat? What are they going to say? No. Nah. No, they're going to come. Why? Listen to me. 
You're sharing the gospel. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Feed them. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to close this with one, with one last thought. Don't stress out. Follow your sphere of influence. And last but not least, I want you to shut up. I want you to stop talking. <coughs> That's not in my notes. I added that, by the way. <coughs> I don't know. I was inspired to say shut up. Don't be the first person to talk. You invite them over for chicken and you feed them with chicken. All I want you to do is love on them. Just love on them. Let them talk. Well, the reason we called you over here to eat chicken with us is because we realize y'all are heathens. We've been watching y'all for quite a while. And I mean, if there was a poster child for doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're it, buddy. I told my wife we needed to have y'all over quick. Because if something happens and we get struck by lightning, y'all going to hell. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Don't ask them. Say, look, we ask y'all to eat dinner with us because, you know, if a satellite was to fall on the top of our house and kill us all, do y'all know where y'all go? Don't do that. Don't invite them over and say, Look, you know that smoking you're doing is going to kill you, and it's wrong. Don't do that. Please, please don't do that. Don't call them over and eat chicken with them and say, Look, I, I've been noticing you've been leaving the house late at night and coming home early in the morning. <laughs> I told my wife, We need to have y'all over because you're probably cheating, aren't you? Don't do that. Y'all laugh, but we, we've done that. Um, you got a few, I know we're running, you got a few minutes, just real quick, let me tell you the story. So I was out riding the other day, and I stopped to look at a, at a tractor. I've been looking at those tractors that are like lawnmowers and tractors. You know, they don't have nothing big enough, bigger than a lawnmower, you know what I'm saying, but smaller than a tractor. You either got a lawnmower or a big tractor. There ain't really nothing in between. So you're either going to spend $1,000 or $40,000 for a John Deere tractor. I'm like, don't somebody make something around, you know, the $2,500 range, you know, something like that. So I'm looking just, you know, I'm just, you know, who doesn't want to go, what guy doesn't want to go look at tractors? Brand new shiny tractors. So I pull in there and I'm looking and this, I'll go inside. Hey, I want to, I want to look at some tractors. I'm just looking, you know. And they said, well, the salesman's right in here. So the salesman comes out. We start talking. Yeah, this and this. This is that. That blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be sensitive to what the Lord wants to do. So I said, whatever you want me to say to this guy, I'll say it. And so we're talking. And he goes, what do you do? And I go, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and I started to say, I'm in the building business. One of my... Uh, 
my security phrase for our cell phones is, what do you build? And then she goes, what do you build? And I go, people. And she goes, I, I, I don't understand. I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And one time I said that to a lady. She starts laughing on the phone. She starts laughing. She said, That's, she said that is great. That's exactly what you do because you're a pastor. You build people. I said, she's got it. I build people. He, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the what? What does equipping mean? Building. And so I started to say I'm in the building business, but I said, no, I don't want to go through that route. So I said, well, I'm a pastor. Uh, New Covenant Church over there on Whittemill Road. And I get the response. I get all the, oh, that big church over there on the hill. Yes, that big church. And his first question was, how many y'all running? Y'all have a good crowd? That's what he said. I said, yeah, we have good people. Good people, strong families. Well, I'm a pastor's kid and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to be here longer than I thought. I said, well, I better be obedient, be led. Oh, I was wanting to be led out of there and go home. See, y'all laughing because you know what I'm talking about. See, I'm not any different. So I'm saying, all right, so, but I've learned, okay, I'm going to be sensitive. Lord, what do you want me to say? So he starts talking, and I just let him run off at the mouth. For seemed like hours he just talked about how he's learned in his life that many different ways to come to the kingdom and many different religions and that's why people don't like religion and that's why people don't like church because it's so structured and so this and so that. He just talked and talked and talked. He said, what denomination are you? And I go, Lord, I, I mean, you, you know, you, people start firing questions and you're like, there's 40 different paths. Which rabbit trail did I take? And I said, well, we're really, traditionally, we're non-denominational, but let me tell you what that really means. We preach Jesus, him crucified, and that he loves people. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, I better stop this because he's just going to keep talking. I said, let me tell you something why people don't like church. It ain't because of the structure and the law and all that stuff. It's because we've lost sight of what Jesus did. Jesus loved people. I said, he loved the hell right out of them. And I said, we believe in relationship. We believe in finding people and living life, doing life with them and pulling the gift of God out of them and making them overcomers. I said, at the end of the day, I want everybody to take something home with them that they can pull out on Monday morning and use it. I believe that's what Jesus did. He used something very natural so that we could use it on a daily basis. <clears throat> and his eyes were like that big. Because the more I talked, the more it was contrary to what he's already heard, always heard. I said, I'm going to tell you something else too. I throwed a hand grenade in there and then jumped in the truck and left. I said, let me tell you something. One more thing before I got to go. Sin is not what separates people from God. Sin is not the issue, nor has it ever been the issue. Because he dealt with sin at the foundation of the earth. It says that the lamb was slain before the what? The foundation. Sin was never. Oh, God, he's sinned. Boy, we got to come up with a plan. And then they come up with, no. Before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was set in place to be the sacrificial lamb for our sins. Sin has never been, nor will ever be, the issue. I said, you know why people don't come to church? Because they don't know that. People come to our church and like coming to our church because we don't preach that mess. We preach this. 
Jesus ain't scared. Listen, don't be scared of people. Don't be, don't be nervous about inviting people over to your house. The only way that they're going to get to know you is for you to saturate them in the love of God. You feed them, and then you love on them. And that's all you do. And I guarantee you, you will have to hold yourself back after they get done eating that chicken. Because they'll open up like a butterfly. They'll open up like a flower. And the ones that won't, you keep after them. Our job is to be witnesses. Our job is to be witnesses. And I'm going to close with this because I think this nails it better than I could ever say it. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want you to underline this verse and keep it <clears throat> with you. And in your mind and memorize it. 1 Peter chapter 3. Everybody say, stop stressing. Start with your sphere of influence and shut up. Stop talking. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. 18 months. 18 months. And boy, they got a leg in now. Imagine what it's going to look like when they build that facility. We're going to help them do it. Is that okay with y'all? 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to close with this. Verse 13, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Really? What, is it, what was it Jesus said that uh, uh, if God be for us, who could be against us? In other words, what difference does it make who comes against you if God's for you? Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for the righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and what? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Boy, they got to see something first. They don't care about you talking. Why don't you and I hush and let the love and the power and the kingdom of God come out before they start saying, hey, listen, I've been watching you. You've been inviting me and my wife over there for chicken for months. And I know you see me smoking. And I know you see me drinking. And I know you see me leaving late at night and coming home early in the morning. And I know you see us fussing and cussing at each other all in the yard. I know you see all that, but you still feed us. Why? Now see, now they're ready. And what does he say? I like this translation. Always be ready to give an answer with someone who asks you about your hope. And if someone asks you your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Listen to this one, this translation. Be ready always to satisfy everyone that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. People are going, let them ask. Don't put the pressure on yourself to always tell somebody something. Why don't you do something for someone? Why don't we do something for people? I have gained more credibility in people's lives, by, haven't we? By doing something for them. By being there for them. More than I could ever by talking to them. 
the people that have the greatest voice in my life are not the ones that say the most, but they're the ones that are there no matter what. Thick and thin, good or bad. They're there, and they ain't moving, and they're not going nowhere. Be that for those people. Give yourself 18 months. Amen. John and Cindy, why don't y'all, can you, can you, is it okay if you stand up? Are you okay? You want us to lay hands on you while you're sitting. Come on up. Langston, uh, Casey, y'all come on. Bill and Carol, y'all come on. Sweetheart, come on up. Morris and Sarah, y'all come on up. I want y'all to stand. We're going to pray over them. And then we're going to ask them to pray over us. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Yeah, come on, you missionaries. Y'all get up there and y'all pray for them too. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Now, everybody knows missionaries don't receive a normal check like most people. They receive support. And so we're going to pray for them. If you're interested in becoming a partner, because that's what you're doing with them, in addition to us as a church, if you're interested in that, they'll be back there in the back lobby and you can talk to them afterwards. But we're also going to designate the back box right there. If you want to participate, if you want to sow something into their life, financially into their ministry, whatever you put back there in that box, we'll give it to them. We'll bless them with it. And we're going to pray and believe with y'all. But uh, we as a church are going to do something to help with that building too. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to get together and we'll decide. But we're going to do something considerable to help you guys get that started, okay? So when I pray for you, I want you to think, oh my God, they're not just, we're not just praying for you with our words. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. And I believe the Lord said for us earlier, I almost called all the elders up and said, we need to go ahead and decide what we're going to do for them now. But we're going to do something for you guys considerably to bless you. And because I, when I met with you guys the other day, I felt like the Lord said that. Because you're going to have more of an impact when you guys, are, when you guys put a stake in the ground and you own that property. Every place that the, feet, the, the treads of your feet, the Lord has given to you. And He will give you Costa Rica. And I believe there's a fruitfulness because of the seeds that you've sown and because of the watering that we've done prayer-wise and all the support that you've had, you're going to start seeing the fruit of your labors come out this next season. And it's going to be a season of, uh, uh, how do I say that? It's not going to be a season of multiple fruit. It's going to be that kind of season of fruit where people go, good Lord, have you seen the size of that apple? Have you seen that watermelon? That watermelon was huge. You know, the pumpkins that they, the big old pumpkins they, it's going to be that kind of fruit. It's going to be the, the guy that was addicted to alcohol for 17 years and now he's out preaching the gospel and ain't got a lick of alcohol in him. It's going the, the, to be the family that has given every one of their kids over to prostitution except one and now she's raises up and now she ends up getting all of her brothers and sisters into the kingdom. It's going to be that kind of quality, relational fruit. It's going to be that fruit that remains. It's going to be that fruit that when you're 60 years old and you're no longer in Costa Rica, you still got those relationships because of the seeds that you've sown. And so, Lord, we just lay our hands on them. Come on, guys, stretch your hands forth towards them. 
Lord, we thank you for the ministry that they're doing in Costa Rica. And we stand with them as partners financially, spiritually, emotionally, in every other realm. And we stand behind them and we, put, we support them and we push them and we guard them and we set a hedge of protection around them. And we say, Lord, the last thing that we want them to be concerned about at all is finances. And so, Lord, I ask that you set them up for the next year. I ask that you bring such a supply of increase that now they got to sit down and pray about what they need to do with all this increase. And that you give them wisdom and direction. That's what I see in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just agree with the pastors. Greatness of the fruit. The uh, everlasting fruit. The exceedingly, the thing that happens, like you talked about the one who was not, that now gets the rest of the family. The exceeding greatness of the thing that he's going to do. The Lord calls you sons and daughters. He said, in order to be that, you have to accept me as a father. He said, I made my will made known for that area, for that people group. And you were called. And out of your humility, you gave everything. Yes. You gave it all. He said, you said yes. And you reached out for my hand. And he said, you didn't look back at what could have been, what should have been, but you followed me. And the Lord is so pleased. And he said, now I set a vision for ministry there that will represent the kingdom of heaven. And I'm so honored that as a son and as a daughter, you've agreed to be my witnesses, my witnesses, witnesses of the kingdom of heaven, yes. carrying grace, carrying love. But I'm going to now reveal my power in you. I'm going to release words. I'm going to make declarations. going to send my healing, my teaching, my love, everything that is in me you have access to in the kingdom. I have given you the keys, so I have opened the doors, yes. and I am pouring out from yes. heaven everything in my kingdom over that people group. Yes. And it will come through you. So get ready. Receive. Don't worry about the distractions. Don't worry about time. I've given you eternity. Don't worry about things here. I've taken care of them already. Don't worry about your children. I've got them. Be my sons and daughters. 
be witnesses with my reflection, the reflection of love. Let them see it in your eyes. No fear, for I have released you. Amen. I just uh, agree with Langston that I just, I know that God is pleased with you guys. There's no greater ministry than you can have than, than demonstrating yes. and exposing those kids to, to the love of God. That love of God and that goodness of God is what's going to change them, is what's going to draw them unto God. And I just, I just thank you guys for just filling in that gap over there. It's just an honor to be part of what y'all are doing and um, again I just I bless you and I just declare Galatians 6 9 over you to not be weary right. in well doing but in due season if you faint not you will reap the harvest yes. and I just want to say again I know that, that God is pleased with you guys ministry and just the, the demonstration of his love that y'all are showing over there in that region Two words that came to me were uh, calmness and gentleness, and that's what the Lord said he sees in both of you, calmness and gentleness. And um, That's the state of being calm. It's the state of being gentle, and it's born out of that love he's given you to pour out. And it's out of that calmness and gentleness that all this fruit, it, it's... To me, it's going to be start being revealed to you. I, I was blueberry picking yesterday with my wife and one of my granddaughters. And I was on this bush. Man, it was just loaded. And uh, I thought, well, I've got everything. I mean, I, I mean, I was picking. I was picking. And then it just gently, my hand brushed just a couple of leaves out of the way. Just gentle. I mean, probably not even meaning to. And I wow. Man, did I miss that? And so, and then, and I think that that fruit, that that waiting, uh, uh, that um, Casey just talked about, that the the fullness of that fruit is there, and it's with your calmness and gentleness that maybe something is blocking it, but that love is going to push it out of the way, and then you're going to say, "Oh my goodness, I didn't realize there was that much there," and God is just going to bless you with His fruit. Amen. Amen. I saw was in South Georgia in the spring they burn off all the land they just burn it and and what it does is it produces new growth and um, that's what I saw I saw like you know in the movies you see a match strike and it just goes I feel like that's what it and I had that same scripture Casey do not grow weary because you can't see it yet but that that the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to sweep through there and burn out everything that's not of God, mm. and then what's and then y'all are just going to walk in this divine what is what am I doing area <laughs> area yeah it, you're going to walk and it's going to it's going to be so easy mm. that's, that's what I I saw don't grow weary amen and be healed immediately yes amen <laughs> amen. 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 Cindy, you talked about when you first went that you guys um, went to the prostitutions um, and your desire was to 
stamp that out. And God's desire is to stamp that out. And he's doing that by you planting these seeds for future generations. Exactly. You're showing them another way. You're burning that field. So be encouraged as the Lord has prompted you to be. Yes. Don't grow weary because you are, you are making a difference. That's right. A big difference. And when opposition comes, that's how you know you're making a difference because the enemy is going to leave you alone if you're not doing anything. So just praise Jesus for the opposition and know that you're planting good seed. This is fertile ground. This is the Kairos time. This is God's time. You are there because of his timing. He placed that within both of you. And you are here. You are there for such a time as this. Amen? And his word will not go out and come back void, but it will accomplish what he sent it out to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I just had one more. While she was talking, the scripture said that God spoke into the darkness and created light. You're teaching those kids the one thing where you were teaching them English, and you're speaking into the darkness and you're creating light. Okay? That's good. I just saw whenever the baby dedication was taking place that I just saw, Sarah said she saw like an igniting fire that took place. Well, I just saw this big, huge wave that was crashing over Costa Rica, and I felt like I heard the Lord say, that is because that baby dedication was not something that was of something that should be considered light, that you actually just shocked that entire country with a wave of the goodness of God, that that's the very generation that could be ushering Jesus back to this beautiful, priceless church that Jesus is wanting to come back and and not to feel like, you know, there was just all year we just had the one dedication because I feel like whenever he saw the big pumpkin, it's like if you had a pumpkin patch and you had 25 pumpkins and you were to, to, to stew or to, um, roast those pumpkins each pumpkin when you would puree it each pumpkin would probably only be like one jar of puree but when I just saw this huge pumpkin just like almost the size of this room even though it's just one pumpkin you could get 3,000 jars of puree out of just that one pumpkin and I just saw that in that baby Mm, just know that the Lord is the wave the shock factor that you are there to do for that country that that it is, it is needed. It is, it is what is of the plan of the Lord. Amen. Amen. How, how much is the, how much is the place y'all are looking for? I mean, that y'all think about buying? 18. 
Well, why not, why don't we just all set ourselves in agreement that they're just going to be able to get the land? Let's just, let's just start there. We're just going to get the land, right? All right, stretch your hands forward towards the Father in the name of Jesus. We set ourselves in agreement with John and Cindy, and we call that land that they believe that you have called for them to buy, we call it paid for right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you supernaturally bring those resources and above the resources so that it will not even be an issue that they got the money to buy, that they can buy it and immediately get started with building that facility and putting their spiritual claws into that place because that baby dedication was the most supernatural thing that's happened to that place in, a, in, a, in many, many years is what I heard the Lord say. It, was, it may not have been that spectacular, but the spectacularness is going to come out of the, the, the enormous supernatural power that was released in that child and over that place in the name of Jesus. We call it done and paid for in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. God bless you guys. If you, whatever you give, whatever you want to sow towards that, we're going to give that back to the back of the box. We're going to bless that with them. And so you guys are dismissed. Amen.